Have you ever wondered how a song is made? How it starts? What happens during the recording process? How does an idea become that beautiful three-minute thing you hear on the radio? My name is Emmeline, and in Journey of a Song, I take you on a tour of a musician's creative process, from the very first notes to the final, fully produced progression. As a singer-songwriter and an independent recording artist, I am intimately familiar with the magic of music creation, but I also know that each song has its own sacred story. Each week, I'll be talking to a different songwriter as they pull back the curtain on a favorite composition, beginning with the acoustic version of the song and ending with the final recorded product. In between, you'll hear a conversation about the inspiration behind the song, the decisions made in the recording booth, and the many ways in which music reflects and informs our emotions and our lives. This week, my guest is Dallas-based singer-songwriter Jeffrey Michael Whitman, a prolific lyricist and a beautiful acoustic guitar player. Jeffrey used the COVID-19 pandemic to lean into a more emotional style of songwriting. He produced and released a number of acoustic EPs before bringing his more introspective songs to his producer for a full band treatment. He's here today to talk about one of those exploratory jams, Good Cry. Welcome back to Journey of a Song. I'm your host, Emmeline, and I'm super stoked for today's episode because we have with us the talented Jeffrey Michael Woodman. How's it going, my friend? Hello. Thanks for having me. I'm so stoked to be here. I'm excited that you're here. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. And this has been a long time coming because you've you've been a stealth listener for a while. I have. I have. Yeah. And and I would say a lot of the people you've interviewed, I either like know them or we've done several open mics together and I haven't really talked to them, but I know of them. So it's cool. It's really cool to be here. So we've just been circling. We've been circling each other and we finally yes. found each other. I'm excited. Yes. Yeah. I'm excited. And you're here to share your beautiful song. Good cry. Thank you for that. But yes, I am. I'm excited, but I'm especially excited for our listeners to hear the acoustic version right now. Ooh.
Thank you. That was awesome. Um, it's so exciting to hear the song acoustically. And we were talking a little bit offline about how weird it has been for a lot of us to perform with no reaction. Mm -hmm. And you said that you set up a little applause board. I did. <laughs> I love that. I think this that's was beautiful. like in the spring of 2020. I kind of got out of the phase of doing live streams pretty quickly. Uh, like, like a lot, like I would say a handful of my friends did uh, that are musicians where I just did it for like two months off and on. Mm -hmm. And um, I got so tired. I got so tired of hearing nothing that I was just like, you know what, I'm going to, I stored all of these um, sound effects in YouTube and a playlist. And I just had my speakers, my external speakers on so people could hear it. Uh, and it would just be like applause. Or I had one that was just one guy clapping sarcastically. Uh, I would play that sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> or I'd be making a dumb joke and I would just like have like a, a like a, a TV studio audience laughter. Uh, yeah. So it, it kept it certainly kept me entertained through it. And then I would be like, oh, an hour's gone by, like before I knew it. Uh, and I got to stop. <laughs> That's yeah. awesome. I feel like we were all so desperate for connection. And yes. I love that you have sort of talked about that lyrically in the song, how, you know, for all of I, I don't know if this is inspired by COVID. I might be reading into it. But I think what a lot of us ended up doing was having to sort of confront this social idea that we're supposed to be independent and strong and, you know, move through life with grace and courage by ourselves with this desperate need for contact. And as musicians, mm -hmm. I feel like we're especially needy people. You know, yes, we, we need... I am. <laughs> we we need that approval we need yeah. the connection we need somebody to like clap for us and tell us yes. we did a good job and then we need that moment afterwards where we're like and tell us about your life tell mm -hmm. us about your emotions like let's get deep um and it was it was very strange to be thrust into a world without that for a while I mean that's yeah. where this podcast was born yeah yeah thank goodness too because it's a great platform for songwriters in the Aww. area it's awesome thank you friend i really appreciate that <laughs> but yeah i so with with covid um i was already kind of fiddling around with the idea of of writing songs that are more uh, about an abstract idea like feelings um i was kind of already playing with around with that like in 2018 2019 but for the most part i was writing pretty traditional love songs um, that were just imagined they you know they weren't something I was living in in the moment but I was just kind of like whatever this is what is expected of songwriters but then COVID happened 
And that forced a lot of introspection for a lot of people, I would imagine. But uh, for me, with songwriting, that I, that made me go, I I don't have any interest in writing a love song again unless I'm actually living it. Like I'm basically at that stage right now. Um, so that's kind of what fed into an I like songs like Good Cry. Um, there are many more that are kind of similar in theme with kind of wrestling with your emotions and kind of learning how to embrace them and use them. Um, and uh yeah stuff like that um so yes covid definitely played a played a part in the construction of the song for sure that's yeah that's really interesting so you you talk about how you had already been making that shift in your writing what inspired you to kind of step away from the traditional love song and start exploring emotions um, and different things with which humans and I, I guess i should go on the record and say there's nothing wrong with writing love songs <laughs> some of my favorite songs are love songs it's fine uh i still write them on occasion even if they're lies it's no big deal songwriters lie uh <laughs> it's not a big deal it's part of the storytelling well, um, writing about what you want is not a lie yeah that's true you know? that's true like, that's, that's true just well. imagination yeah exactly that's just that's literally storytelling like there's yeah. a storytelling side of songwriting and um, sometimes when we tell stories, we're telling stories for ourselves as much as we're telling stories for the audience. Like we're giving right. ourselves something to believe in. Yeah, that's see, that's it's interesting you bring that up because that's the thing for me where I was like um, kind of with myself, at least I was kind of like I felt like I was writing love songs for everyone else. And, mm -hmm. and I was writing them less for me because I wasn't living in those experiences. I, I didn't I didn't know how any of that worked at that point. It had been years for me. So um uh that's when i started i started with a song that was very similar in theme to good cry um where it is about it's called what a man becomes um everybody will hear it eventually um because it's already done it's just going to be on the album you're going to have to wait a bit uh <laughs> um okay. but that one was definitely about the same thing of like um it's kind of framed as a love song but the whole idea of it is allowing yourself a moment of weakness especially as a dude because there's still a, a huge chunk of the male population that is like ah, don't feel emotions you know like keep it inside be a man about it um so that that's where that idea came from and then good cry just leans into it way further and it's just like just let the cry happen dude just let it out <laughs> well and i yeah i feel like toxic masculinity is something that's definitely been yes. in the news it's made yeah. some headlines but i think it was something with which all of us were forced to grapple as people were you know collectively traumatized by covid but mm -hmm. also just as we step more and more into a society that challenges to challenges us to think about things like mental health mm -hmm. you can't be aware of your own mental health if you aren't aware that you have feelings right yeah if you're constantly suppressing them then how are you supposed to be able to know what they are yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, know what they are, regulate yeah. them. Yeah, exactly. Some kind of familiarity. You know, right. it ends up being this like closet that we never open that we're terrified to go into. And the longer we don't <laughs> yeah. open it, the more we're like, anything could be in there. Right. Exactly. Definitely. Yeah. I think I don't know that COVID played much of a part in me because I was already kind of on on that journey, but COVID just kind of expedited it more or less. Mm -hmm. Uh, where I was just kind of getting more in touch with uh feelings, mental health um uh, counseling has been something i've been doing too but that's been more recent uh but but yeah all of that has been like stuff i've been working to get more in touch with in myself and that's that's not i just feel like that's not publicly sure there are people that talk about this in public quite a bit um and and men in particular there are some men that talk about this quite a bit uh, but but not it's not the majority voice in my opinion like at least to me 
in my social media feeds and stuff, I just feel like it's still, and I'm still friends with some people that have that, you know, alpha male toxic masculinity mindset. Um, we just don't talk about this stuff, you know, like that's, that's something that, okay, well, you can feel that way and I will just write songs about it. How about that? Uh, <laughs> and you can jam to them and then halfway through, you can realize that the lyrical content means you actually have to feel things. <laughs> right. Exactly. You can't just deny them to the, to the point where they'll just disappear. That's not how it works. Yeah. So what did that journey look like for you? At what point were you like, I really need to start to get in touch with this stuff? Um, well, I, I had mentioned that COVID forced a lot of introspection. So I guess it was during some of that. Um, and then as COVID uh, things started to improve, at least for society, I guess mm-hmm. it's not over by any stretch, but the, people were feeling more safe going out. Um, I noticed that I kept having these phases of like, I don't want to play music anymore. And, and they would last for months. And then I would spend a few months going out again, playing music, writing more. And then I would just, another wave would come at me again. Um, and, and I would just want to be a recluse. And uh, this, this song is, kind, I guess, kind of born out of that where I was in a phase of like, not really feeling, um, feeling like being out anymore this I think I wrote this in 2021 I think last year um so I was kind of in that that really rough phase of like please stay away from me I don't want to play my music for because I think everybody hates it you know like stuff like that I was just having a lot of negative thoughts hence the counseling so (laughs) so um uh yeah that kind of opened the door to um to song ideas like good cry and there are many others um, that are on the album, the entire album's just about depression at this point. Uh, <laughs> but that has been what I've been working on and what good cry is on. Um, well, I didn't, I didn't think the album would be about that. And I'm sorry to talk about a future release so much, but that has pretty much been running my life for the last uh, year and for the next year. Um, but I didn't, it was one of those things where like, I'm, I'm in the middle of writing like songs like Good Cry. And then I'm like, God, there are like no like love songs here. There's nothing. I guess that's what the album has to be then is just about feelings. And for me, depression, you know, like, I mean, I guess it just has to be that, you know, just kind of, that's what songwriters kind of have to go through is like, just let it be what it is, man. You know? Yeah. And you and I talked a bit about this offline, but I sort of want to highlight this discussion for all of our friends listening at home that. We, as songwriters, our greatest strength is sharing our experience, mm-hmm. you know, and sharing the truth of our experience, being honest about what we're experiencing. Yeah. And imagination is great and beautiful and a wonderful thing to explore. I wish and I had it of, sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> but I mean, that's a way of sharing our experience too, yeah. because that's a longing that we have or a thing that we're trying to create that we haven't yet. Mm-hmm. And I think if you're going through a depression, Exploring that in song seems like mm-hmm. a really important process to undertake and yeah. also a really important way to forge connection. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because that's the truth of what you're going through. Yeah. And I played one of those songs that, that is on the album and it's another song that's done and I'm sorry, everybody, you're gonna have to wait for a while to hear it. But uh, <laughs> I played it at our, uh, you had a show recently at opening I bell did, and, yeah. and you, uh, thank you for having me on stage again, by the way. Um, and you had me play a few songs and, and the last song I, I brought up what it was about. And it was about that, uh, that recluse phase that I live in where I just don't want to be around people anymore. So I just kind of play a waiting game with my own depression and wait for it to go away until I'm okay enough to go out again. And when I explained that, 
um, I had somebody come up to me after and he was like, wow, that really cut deep for me and blah, 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 and stuff like that. And I'm like, see, I didn't even, I didn't even, not to be like selfish or narcissist, but I, it's like, I didn't even consider other people's feelings to these songs when I wrote them. These are like therapy for me, some of them. So the fact that he said that just meant the world to me. I was like, oh, it just made me feel less alone. Um, it was huge. Yeah. I love that you talk about that. I think one of the greatest gifts that we get given as songwriters is mm-hmm. the reminder that our feelings aren't that special. Right. You know, yes. that somebody yeah. else has gone through this. And it's a beautiful chance to be one of the loud voices that talks about this stuff. Mm-hmm. To be one of the voices that says, hey, have a good cry. Yeah, hey, exactly. Get in touch with your feelings. Hey, right. you don't actually have to go out and punch somebody. Or right. like, you know, yeah, it doesn't always like, have to be... Uh show itself as rage it doesn't have to be a brute force display it can just be two guys sitting there and being like bro this is hard yeah you know and i think when we when we allow ourselves to inhabit that space we give other people permission to be there with us right i absolutely agree and that's not something i ever considered um I probably still don't as I'm writing these songs. I mean, I don't know that. Do you actively consider that when you're writing a song? I mean, it's not really, it's hard to say how an audience is going to feel about a song. You yourself are spending so much time on alone, you know? I mean, for me, at least with songs that are more personal, I should say, it's more for me in the moment. And then when it's out in the wild, I guess, even if the audience is small, it's like, oh, I didn't, I didn't recognize this could connect with people. Like, that's crazy. Mm, That's interesting. So what I hear you saying is that when you sit down to write, what you're actually doing is just trying to get your own emotions out. Exactly. Yeah. And it was serving as my therapy for a very long time uh, in its own way uh, until it wasn't enough anymore. And then I needed counseling. (laughs) But, I, mean, uh, I think it becomes yeah. it becomes part of the therapeutic process. Yes, it's still there. It's still very present. Yeah. Like yeah. nothing can be, and I think that's a difficult struggle because you know we live in a world of advertisements where they're like, just take this pill and you'll feel so much better. <laughs> um, which, like, maybe that's true. And I'm not not for some people, yeah. But I think all of those have to be parts of one whole. Uh huh. You know, in Definitely. my in my other life, I study uh, trauma and music, and. They talk a lot about how the six known treatments, if you will, for adverse childhood experiences are sleep, nutrition, Mm -hmm. talk therapy, um, mindfulness and meditation, Mm -hmm. healthy relationships and exercise. And like, you have to have all those. You can't just have one of them. And I think, and I think that art, as we know, can be a huge help in those things. Definitely. Having that container of creative art to put our emotions into is such a valuable aspect of our therapeutic process, but it's not Definitely. the whole therapeutic process. It's it's not, but, and that's why I've been focusing so much on the mental health aspect first mm-hmm. uh, is because you mentioned the other things like meditate. I haven't even explored meditation yet. I don't feel like I'm ready there. I'm, I'm not, I'm not ready for that yet. Or the physical, um, the physical part of it, mm-hmm. like the exercising and whatnot. Um, not there yet. You know I mean? So, I mean, I, some people have to work on it in phases. Some people can do it all at once. I, you know, that's the way I work though, is, you know, through song counseling first, then maybe I'll explore the other things that might improve my well-being. Yeah. And you, what I hear you saying is that for you, the valuable thing is to do it and then take stock. And what you did for a long time was write songs. Then you took stock and said, this is good, but it's not enough. Right. 
Yeah, exactly. Sometimes I'd write songs. <laughs> like I mentioned that other song that's kind of about the same idea as Good Cry. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I accidentally write more than one song about the same feeling. Uh, that is what it is, though. I mean, that's the songwriting process, though. You can repeat yourself. It's it's well, fine. It you know? means you're not done exploring <laughs> the feeling yet. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. I think, but I, you know, I still, I still kind of beat myself up a little bit. Um, songwriters are, can can be their own worst critics. So I, I tend to go, you're writing. It's kind of like whenever Taylor Swift would get a criticism about writing about an ex. It's like that, but for myself, where I'm like, you're writing about this again, dude. Like, you know, but but I mean, sometimes you need that. That's that in itself is also therapy. Like, uh, or, or can be can be, it can be helpful. Um, so yeah, and I think it's really a beautiful and important thing to give ourselves the grace to explore as much as we need to explore. Yeah. Because I mean, think about it. How many love songs have we heard? Right. How many love songs are there? Is love really that complicated? I think (laughs) all of these songs prove that the answer is yes. Yeah. How many songs are there about world peace? How many songs are there about a good cry? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think the nature of our existence in the world is that we we sort of take things in and then we regurgitate them as they relate to our own experience. For sure. And every time we cry, it feels different. Mm-hmm. It doesn't always feel for, the same. Yeah, could be for and different s- reasons. That's that's kind of what I left. That's what I left a lot on the table with this song in particular. Is uh, you could be crying for any reason. It doesn't pertain to. It doesn't necessarily pertain to sadness, even though I do mention that about myself because this song is a. Uh, is it second? I guess it's second person or whatever when it's like two, mm-hmm. a generalized you. Uh, so like this, one of the rare songs I've only ever written like that. Um, but uh, um, uh, uh, I lost my train of thought already. I'm so sorry. Um, but <laughs> no, you're good. Um, yeah. Talking about how each time you experience the feeling, it's different. Yes, exactly. So I, 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 when I talk about myself in the song, it's because uh, I relate crying to, you know, depression, sadness, or whatnot. Uh, but, but I meant the lyrics wise. I meant for it to be more like you could be sad, you could be happy tears or sad tears. It doesn't matter as long as you have the cry in general. Um, so it's kind of like a, a motivational song for crying, I guess, uh, in in many regards. But it's not. It's not like I take my own. I'm terrible at taking my own advice. I still, <laughs> I still stifle my crying like really awkwardly. Uh, so, <laughs> so it's not like I listen to my own words sometimes. But uh, I don't know. It can be helpful for others. And I just got to take my own advice better sometimes. <laughs> that's that's really, I guess, the main thing I've taken away from this song. Well. And that it, I love that you say that it's not, it can be a happy cry or a sad cry. Yeah. You just have to let yourself cry. I think that the, the thing that I've taken away from listening to this song a lot over the last week is this idea that having the feeling is the important and beautiful part. Yeah, exactly. Letting yourself have the feeling. Right. Not judging it. Right. Not expecting anything to come of it. Not, um, not expecting it to take you down. Exactly. Like, you know, because you're in yeah. the chorus with you'll be all right. Yeah. Yeah, you'll be all right. And then like in the in the bridge too, uh, when I mentioned that nobody told you it would be fine. Because yeah. uh, that's kind of my reference to the uh, this I- ideal, ideal masculine male that I was talking about where it's like dudes tend to be surrounded. Well, they can be surrounded by... Uh, role models or whatever that don't talk about this stuff 
mm-hmm. um, either don't talk about it or say not to do it. Um, so that's kind of why I bring that up in the bridge of like, nobody really told you that there's another side. To, like, I mean, you know, when you're done with the cry, it's not the world, end of the world, you know, it's that things continue, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I think that's a really important thing to say is that, you know, people tell you not to do it. Right. right. And there's this sort of social stigma about feeling your feelings out loud as mm-hmm. an adult. Right. Cause nobody, I mean, there, there's some judgment of the toddler that throws a temper tantrum in the middle of the supermarket. Yeah. But then there's also the like, oh, well, that's a toddler. Yeah, exactly. Like, toddlers don't have control over their emotions. But if one of right. us decided to go through a tantrum in the middle of the supermarket, people would be right. like, what is happening? <laughs> right. Something is wrong together. here. Yeah. <laughs> and, sure. Yeah. But I mean, it doesn't mean that just because our age is bigger, our feelings are smaller. Right. It's true. Yeah. It's And in fact, they're probably more complex. Because uh, for kids, it's more simple. I'm speaking as a non-parent though, but for kids, <laughs> it is a little more simple of like, I just want this toy. No, Wah. that's, I mean, it's pretty simple. But, but that desire co- is big. Yeah. Yeah. The desire for the toy is yeah. huge. Yeah. Yeah. But and- for like adults, it's kind of like, why am I crying? Like you kind of have to like assess in the middle of it. Well, and adults <laughs> have this weird dimension of, I want the toy. Yeah. Why do I want the toy? Should I want the toy? Am I allowed to want the toy? Is this an appropriate toy for someone my age? <laughs> right. Like, what what cultural statements am I making if I buy the toy? You know, there are all of these dimensions of one desire that we yeah. consider as adults. And meanwhile, as we think about all of those things, as we allow ourselves to ask all of those questions, we're just feeding the feeling. Mm-hmm. And it's getting bigger and bigger and bigger because we're not allowing ourselves to acknowledge it. Exactly. We're questioning it. Yeah. Which all means the time. That it just sits there and it's like, I'm still here. Yeah. Like, you still want the toy. right exactly no matter how many questions you ask yourself about it you still want the toy and what you seem to be saying in the course of this song is let yourself have the feeling Mm -hmm. you know you say getting to the root of how and why right we're roaming underneath your gray skies once you can confront internal lies you use the weight of time Mm -hmm. i think for me that verse kind of codifies what we've been talking about which is that you you can't start really thinking meaningfully about a feeling you haven't let yourself have yet. Yeah, exactly. Because the weight of the feeling is so strong that there's not room for anything else. There's no room for logic. There's no room for analysis. There's no room for internalization or exploration or imagination. It's just the raw feeling. Right. Yeah. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the song has a, that verse specifically, God, I feel like I phoned in that second verse. And so I'm kind of... (laughs) So I'm kind of, it feels awesome that you cited it as a, something worth talking about because um, the, um, well, I'll, I'll just talk about the creation of the song to get to where I'm trying to go. Um, but the song idea started with the first line in the chorus of it can never be a bad time for a good cry, which is objectively not true. I mean, if you're in a public place or in a work meeting, maybe don't cry in front of everybody, but it's the idea behind it that kind of drove the rest of the song. Um, and so like I had the first verse done second and the chorus was like done. And the second verse was like months later. And I was like, I got to finish this. I got to finish this. Uh, so it's just interesting that you brought that up because that was like, to me, I was just like, I just got to finish this man. Like, <laughs> but it goes back to the problems of overthinking, right? Sometimes it does, we it does, just yeah. say, I got to finish this. And we let ourselves sort of brain vomit onto the page. Yeah. And sometimes it we... works. And, and that, that was definitely several iterations of verse. Like it was definitely like. 
several, I type out all my lyrics. I don't write, I don't handwrite anything. Um, but uh, so it was just several like backspacing, <laughs> like several like, oh, that doesn't fit the rhythm. Uh, oh, oh, that doesn't make sense and stuff like that. Um, but uh, yeah, that one is, yes, that one is definitely about the analyzing why you're having the feeling for sure. Um, and, and the weight of time line is, is mainly for me, I guess, mm-hmm. uh, aligned to myself because I, uh, was, was in, I guess still kind of am a little bit, it never really goes away, uh, struggle with my own mortality, which is kind of like heavy. Uh, but I struggle with that. The fact that time is like so fleeting. Um, like when I turned 30, especially I was like, oh, this is what do I have to show for this? You know, like it, it just hit me really hard. Um, and, and some days it, it's worse than others, you know, like where yeah. I'm like, it, it, time is so finite. Like we're almost done. It feels like we're almost done, even though we're not. Um, so, I mean, that, that line is like, I guess for me and like my reason as to like, why, why I feel like sometimes there's no room to have those feelings. Um, cause who has the time, you know, would, would you really want to waste your time on something like why am I crying or should I cry? Like when you have other adult stuff you can be doing. Uh, so that line was kind of like a line to remind, remind myself that it's, it's okay to like sit in a feeling uh, and, and whether you want to analyze it or not, um, you know, just, just sit in it, you know? Yeah. I uh, really that's where that came from. I really appreciate the vulnerability of that admission that you struggle with mortality. Cause I think that's something with which we all struggle, but we don't talk about it very often. Yeah. And yeah, because it's so heavy. Who wants to think about that? <laughs> well, but you ask yourself a really fundamental question that I want to highlight because I think it's an important question that we all throw at ourselves and we don't really ask it, right? We just use it as a weapon, mm-hmm. which is what do I have to show for X? Yeah. Yeah. Like, what do I have to show for 30 years? What do I have to show for 25 years? What do I have to show for 50 years or 75? Yeah. Or, you know, there's this, there's always this big question of like, well, what have you done? And we say it to ourselves in that kind of snarky voice, like, what yeah. have you done? And there's no good, A, there's no good answer for a snarky voice. You know, <laughs> right. we all went to middle school. We all know that. But also, it implies that there's some standard that we're supposed to be meeting that we haven't yet. Mm. And I think it's rare, at least in my experience, that when pushed, we can really pinpoint what that is. Mm-hmm. The pinpoint what the the actual like life achievements you're supposed to yeah, like, at what landmarks you're supposed to hit at or whatever. what point do we have a satisfactory answer for that question it's a good point yeah yeah because even if i had the life that i envisioned for myself like at 18 or whatever and i was doing this professionally even on a small scale uh i'm not saying i want to do stadiums that seems like too much uh <laughs> but uh and I had like, you know, wife, kids, yada, yada, the works. I would, who's to say I would be in a different place mentally, you know, like, I mean, hitting those, I guess, what do you call those landmarks? I guess, uh, yeah. I don't, I don't know what you call those, the but milestones. like the milestones for life, uh, hitting those doesn't necessarily mean you're going to solve all your problems. So I, I don't know. Well, and then when we hit those and we haven't solved our problems, we ask ourselves a different question, which is, well, why aren't you happy yet? Yeah. What's wrong with you? Yeah. And which is ultimately the question we were asking ourselves before, like what's Mm -hmm. wrong with you that you haven't hit them. And then when you have, you're not happy, what's wrong with you that you have hit them and you're not happy. I, and I think we can hold ourselves hostage with these nebulous 
not clearly defined expectations that are held over from some social standard we've internalized or some message we got as kids about what success really looks like. And, Mm -hmm. you know, we're not asking ourselves the more important question, which is, yeah, but what does success look like for me? Yeah. What does success look like to me? Because I mean, when you're in the midst of a depression, and I say that as a general you, Mm -hmm. when someone is in the midst of a depression, getting up that day, putting on clothes and doing what's on your to-do list can feel like a victory. Like that's a huge success because you had to fight every single instinct that was like, go back to bed. Yeah. Today is worthless to do. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. With that specific example or feeling, um, even when you do something that's goes against, uh, that kind of is, is like a rebellion against your depression, it's still in the moment doesn't feel like enough, like no. at least to the person that has it, um, you know, like it's still like, yeah, I got up, but I'm still worthless. You know, it's still like, that's still very present. Um, yeah. And I think that that's, what's difficult is we, we have trained ourselves socially to only listen to the negative patterns. Mm-hmm. And I had Jackie Gibbons on the podcast and we were talking about neuroplasticity and how the brain is trained to find patterns. And she, mm-hmm. you know, was talking about how the brain is trained to find negative patterns because once upon a time that helped us survive. The brain mm-hmm. being like, hey, remember when those when we ate those berries and they were really <laughs> awful and we got sick? Let's not do that again. So the brain right. is constantly okay, looking. I see. Remember when we saw that bear behind the tree and then we waved <laughs> at the bear and the bear started coming after us? Let's not do that again. The brain is, you know, the brain is yeah. trained to recognize patterns, to encode information so that we preserve our life. So mm-hmm. that we survive. And, you know, as people who sit comfortably in a first world country where we're thinking about problems like whether or not our audio preferences are right. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> you know, survival <laughs> looks different. Yes. Yeah. But we also have this beautiful and yet daunting question before us, which is how do I thrive? Like now that I've checked the box on survival, now that I have a roof over my head, now that I have food to eat, now that I have a place to go to the bathroom and a place to sleep now that I have job security. Yeah. Yeah. Now that I have money to pay for the things I need. Once Mm -hmm. you, once you check those boxes, the question becomes, how do I thrive? Yeah. And I'm still, it's still unanswerable for me personally. I think for a lot of us, but let's give voice to that ambiguity. Let's give voice to the question and then, and give ourselves permission to ask it. Yeah. Because I think the other thing we can say to ourselves is, oh, you want too much. Mm-hmm. You're giving me a lot of ammunition for another song I want to write. <laughs> I love that. That's great. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm like, we're kind of going off. Uh, uh, sure, a lot of it could tie back to the song. But now I feel like we're going so far deep into like existentialism and like the meaning of things and like... Uh, this abstract idea of success uh, that I'm like, oh, I kind of want to write about this now. Welcome to Journey <laughs> of a Song, where we go deep fast. Yeah. But that's, I mean, but that's kind of what you're saying is, you know, that as a man, you're held to the standard sometimes that you have to keep a stiff upper lip. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you had to keep a stiff upper lip previously because it was tied somehow to survival. Yeah. And now that you've mastered the survival part, you get to ask yourself the question, is the stiff upper lip serving me? Mm-hmm. And that there's this element of guilt for asking that question. 
Like, yeah. can I have a good cry? Is that okay? Right. Am I allowed? Right. Yeah. And I mean, yeah, I guess that's the whole point of the song is, uh, well, I mean, I know it is the whole point of the song <laughs> is to be like, <laughs> cause I wrote it. Uh, <laughs> that's the whole point of the song is yes, of course you're allowed to have that feeling. Um, and I'm like, it's almost like I'm kind of giving the listener, uh, even though I kind of wrote the song to me more or less, um, the listener like permission to like search for their own avenues of support or what have you. Um, cause I mentioned that in the second verse, something about support. Yeah. Um, and, it's easier uh, with incessant support. Yeah. Incessant support, like annoying support. Uh, <laughs> it really is though. Like people that are like toxically supportive, <laughs> it really is easier to kind of embrace those feelings. Uh, and there's, I'm not, I'm not actually, I'm not using that phrase in a negative way, like toxically supportive. Uh, whereas some people say toxic positivity and it's a negative thing. I'm not saying it that way. Um, that's actually a really strong quality to have in a friend and, or, or a family, whatever, whoever, yeah. that's the point is that whoever it is, uh, you know, talk it out with somebody if you need to. Um, and then, uh, there's something else in the second verse that kind of ties into it. Oh yeah. And then the, the first resort line, I mentioned that because there's always like the, I mean, that's kind of like a reference to the Papa Roach song. <laughs> That's yeah, that was my mindset. I love that. That's my mindset when I wrote that lyric. Was shout like, out you know, to the nineties kids. Yeah, dude, I I jammed that song so hard in middle school without really knowing what I was saying. Uh, but um, but that's kind of a, a reference to that. Like, if that's your last resort, this should be your first one. Mm. Um, is allowing yourself the space and uh, to have those feelings. And if you want people around, uh you know, to help guide you through those, having those feelings, then, I mean, you know, I recommend it personally in the song, uh, <laughs> but um, it's the options there. I'm just saying, you know, um, explore well, your options. Yeah. And I love that you highlight the importance of creating a safe space, but also that sometimes you need that modeled for you. Yeah. Because, you know, you talk about the negative voices in your head, I think that probably resonates with a lot of our listeners. I know I mm -hmm. certainly have that voice in my head. Yes. Um, it's like, oh, it's overwhelming. Do you, do you really have permission to do that? Yeah. You really think you're good enough for that? And <laughs> we, when we let that voice have the keys to the car, like that's a dangerous day. Yeah. And so sometimes we're bad at creating our own safe space. So when that's modeled for us, we have a friend who can come in and be like, no, feel whatever you're feeling. It's okay mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. You can just have the feeling and then we can yeah. talk about it. Or we don't have to talk about it. You can just yeah. have the feeling and I'll sit here with you while you have the feeling. Yeah, that was actually brought up. Uh, I, I have a good uh, circle of friends now, I would say. I've, I've curated a good a good circle uh -huh. uh, carefully. And uh, that's been brought up in conversations, especially as my depression has gotten worse over the past year, mm. um, is uh, like they'll they'll uh, they'll be those type of people where like they're they're not going out of their way to have you tried being happy. They're not doing crap like that. That just annoys everybody to no end. Um, when you have those feelings, they are just like, do you want to talk about it? And then depending on your answer, they won't push you, you know, like, I mean, th those are just the best kind of friends to have. Um, uh, there was something, there was another example I wanted to bring up and I can't remember what it was now. Um, oh, well, it might come to me later. <laughs> but yeah, just the creation of, I love that you highlight the creation of having, or the creation of that space space and the importance of mm -hmm. having friends who encourage you to just be who you right. are. Right. Yeah. Not to castigate yourself for not being something else. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that's not something I recognized um, before I wrote the song. It was kind of like as I was writing it, I was like, oh, yeah, you should kind of. I don't know, you should kind of have those difficult conversations with friends sometimes and see how they respond. And if they respond in a way that's like not conducive to good mental health, then, you know, might want to consider uh, talking with them less, you know, I don't want to say yeah. cut them off, but, you know, talk with them less maybe. Uh, <laughs> but yeah. Or just recognize that is going to yeah. be one of the relationships in your life that is a surface relationship. Exactly. Yeah. It's not a place where you go deep. Right. And that's, you know, our brain recognizing patterns and saying, mm, for emotional preservation, maybe we don't push this button again. Right. That's so fascinating that I knew I'd be enlightened when I came here. <laughs> it's a tall order, my friend. It's a tall order. No, but the, I, I like that you're talking about how, you know, we can expect ourselves to be different and how mm -hmm. sometimes people can say things to us that reinforce that message. Like, have you tried being happy? Um, yeah. Because the line that spoke to me the most is hoping to emerge as someone else. Like you'd hide inside your shell, hoping to emerge as someone else. Yeah. Like creating your own chrysalis. Yeah. When that line came out, I was like, oh, <laughs> oh, that's me. But that's how you know it's true. Yeah. yeah I was going to yeah. say when you read it and you're like, oh, it feels like a punch to the gut. Yeah, exactly. That's. Yeah. It's yeah, simultaneously a blessing and a curse sometimes to have your subconscious just speak through music. Mm -hmm. but there was something I've, I've been meaning to say so yeah the the way that I wrote the lyrics uh I wanted this song to speak as plainly as possible uh even if it is like an idea even if it is an idea that's not as uh not something that's um as tangible as like a something like a love song or a story that you might be telling uh I wanted to be speak plainly about lyrically um so there's no confusion about what's this guy talking about or like I didn't want to use crazy metaphors and whatnot as much as I wish I could. I'm, I'm not a I'm not a huge metaphor person. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I, I wanted to make clear what this song was about. Um, uh, and yeah, I really lucked out. I really lucked out on those first two lines. Uh, when I wrote those, I was like, oh, thank goodness. Uh, <laughs> that's a good that's a good hook for the rest of the song. Thank goodness. Um, yeah, that's how that's how it goes though when you're a songwriter. Sometimes you just luck into a lyric that resonates with you. I that happens think, to rhyme. <laughs> but I really do. I have this theory, and I don't I would love to hear you weigh in on this. I have this theory that when we write as songwriters, the hardest thing is getting our higher cognitive brain out of the way. Just yeah. being like, no, I don't care what you have to say right now. We can analyze this later. And really allowing the visceral emotional part of your body and your brain and your being to speak. Right. And when we're really in tune with who we are and what we're feeling and we can speak it, like you say, clearly, mm -hmm. not just cloak it in metaphors or right. you know, hide it with pretty words. We, we yeah. like, are just direct and honest. I think sometimes that's our greatest strength. And it's the greatest sense of relief for us because we can look down and be like, oh, that's really what I'm feeling. Yeah. But I feel like it's also the greatest I find that those are the songs that speak to me mm -hmm. with the greatest strength. The ones that are more like straightforward and honest. and The ones where I can tell that what the songwriter was doing in that moment mm -hmm. was articulating this visceral feeling that I have experienced, but didn't have words for. Ah, I see. Yeah, definitely. I can't, I, you mentioned something about 
uh, or at least this is how I took it. <laughs> uh, where you, uh, you, as you're writing lyrics, sometimes you don't always know the full meaning or grasp the intention behind the words until you take a step back. Or, I mean, it's kind of like as you're going through my own words uh, in the second verse, I'm like, oh, yeah. So I think this is what I meant by that. You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. kind of, there's like a weird disconnect almost. Um, it's almost like the subconscious takes over completely sometimes when you're trying to complete a song. And then when you go back to it, you're like, oh, oh, I guess this is what this song means to me. Um, it's kind of crazy. I, that's my theory yeah. is that it's the subconscious speaking. And I think, I think when we, when we're quote unquote honing our craft as songwriters, mm -hmm. what we're actually doing is trying to figure out how to really listen to ourselves. Yeah. And how to listen to ourselves without that critical voice in the way. Mm -hmm. That that voice never turns off though. <laughs> well, <laughs> not for me though, but but uh, yeah, but you can put it on a shelf. You can be like, thank you. Yeah. Like, you know, like who are those two old puppets and yeah, muppets? Yeah, the yeah, I don't remember their names, but yeah, the Muppets, Waldorf uh, and what's his face that like heckle everybody. Yeah, the hecklers. You know, yeah, yeah, you can put them in a balcony and be like, okay, you can sit with the old guys, and yeah. you know, this song's not commercial enough. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> three point five, man, three point five. Um, I and I think, I think there's definitely a space for songs that are commercial, mm -hmm. and there's definitely a beautiful thing in writing to the most common denominator. But I think there's also something to be said for allowing your art to be an opportunity for you to express yourself. Right. In the rawest and truest way. Because like that person who came up to you at opening bell, that's what makes the connection. Yeah. Is us being as honest as we possibly can. Yeah, definitely. Sometimes painfully. I remember saying one time at a, uh, it was just an open mic talking about uh my social anxiety and depression and then after i played a song that was kind of about that mm -hmm. um or as i was playing it actually he came up and gave me like a 20 dollar tip and i was like oh that's just a pity tip but <laughs> but hey man that's awesome that's so cool uh that was like a surface level interaction that i don't i don't know where that came from uh that made me think of that but uh <laughs> It might not have been a pity tip. You might have been hosting group therapy for that person. Maybe. That they might have been, been like, you know what, man, after, here's my fee. So, like, yeah. thanks for the hour. Yeah, I, I we didn't talk after, unfortunately. I just, I, it's like I spaced and totally forgot uh, who gave me the tip uh, and <laughs> forgot to talk to him about it. Uh, uh, but, but maybe it is. Maybe that is something that resonated. Maybe it is pity, though. I don't know. Uh, but that's my critical brain, critical side of my brain going, it's just pity, bro. It's not even like he didn't even hear your song, you know, <laughs> but I, that's, but I think it's such an important, I so appreciate your vulnerability and sharing that that is a voice that you have, because I think all of the creatives listening, like all of the people who are desperate to share their art listening, have that voice. Mm -hmm. And sometimes we let that voice drive the car. Sometimes we get that voice, the keys, and we let yeah. that voice take over the radio and it paralyzes us. Yeah. Like we believe so much in our own unworthiness that we don't put out the art that we were put on this earth to put out. Right. Because the truth is, yes, maybe people have experienced your feelings before. I'm sure there are lots of men listening to this podcast and thinking, God, man, I wish I had permission to take a good cry. Mm -hmm. You know, they would maybe never say that out loud to someone else. Maybe they would. And that's a beautiful thing. 
But maybe yeah. they're like, no, I felt that. And I like, but I'm not going to ask somebody for a good cry. Like, right. But that's cool yeah. that that guy said that. Yeah, right. I'll at least take that. I'll at least be like, oh, okay. Well, then you, you get it then. You get it to some extent. All right. Right. But, <laughs> you know, we might not have been the first person to experience the emotion. Right. But we believe enough in our experience of the emotion, of the emotion to share it. Right. And when we share it, we give other people permission to come to the table and say, yeah, I felt that too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause it is, it is truly a shared experience. Um, by the, when you're releasing that to the public or playing it publicly. Yeah. It's basically saying to anybody else, it's kind of like a stand up comedian's version of saying, does anybody else think airline food is weird? You know I mean? You're putting <laughs> it out there. You're putting it out there for somebody to reciprocate that feeling. Uh, so it's the same with music. It's just a different, it's just different. You know, there's nothing wrong with different. Well, yeah. And finding, like you said, finding out that it resonated with somebody is proof positive that we're not alone. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. Whenever you have the uh, the insecurities or the negative voice in your head take over uh, and and dr recklessly drive your car for a little bit, uh, one of those things that the voice says commonly is you're alone in this, dude. You, you're, your struggle is your struggle and there's something wrong with you. Um, so, I mean, when somebody gives that powerful of, 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 of a compliment and feedback, it resonates deeper than they realize. Like they, they may not even know that I was looking for those specific words and I probably didn't even know it in the moment. Mm -hmm. But when he said it, I was like, Oh my gosh, dude, I think I'm going to cry in your face right now. And, uh, and, and it can never be a bad time for good cry. That's exactly. how it goes. <laughs> and it's a good time for it. So bring it in, bring it in, bring it in, bro. Let's hug it out. Yeah. I just met you, but let's hug it out. Yeah. <laughs> I, I am totally guilty of being that person who just meets people and hugs them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Almost did with that guy. But uh, yeah, he was he was cool. He like moved in from Chicago like a couple years ago. And like he's just he just goes. He's one of those people that just goes around downtown Dallas and is like, this place looks cool. And he happened upon your show and he loved your stuff, too. He was telling me about your stuff. And it was great. It was just one of those interactions you don't forget and you take with you like forever, pretty much. Oh, I could jump on a yeah. soapbox about how much I love listening rooms. And this would, this would be one of those moments where I would be like, this is why you have to, but yeah, a couple things for our listeners. If you've never been to opening bell coffee, you should go. Cause it's a beautiful venue in Dallas and it's a wonderful so yeah. chance to get to hear songwriters sharing their craft yeah. um, and just wanting to meet you. And two, if you have ever heard a song that resonated with you, reach out to the person and tell them, thanks. Yeah. Or tell them your story because yeah, you're telling us we're not alone too. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Cause we're writing the songs um, and sharing them too from like a very, very vulnerable and like place. And of course there's vulnerability, but like we're even questioning, should we even release the song? Uh, I went through a journey with that, with this song in particular, mm -hmm. uh, because uh, I recorded it on an acoustic EP. Uh, I did like a couple acoustic EPs during COVID Mm -hmm. uh, just recorded it from home, put it out there. You know, it was no big deal. Uh, and, uh, and I played, I played this one acoustic, uh, for my producer. And he was like, you're telling me we're not going to record this one. <laughs> he was like almost mad. He was like, you're telling me a song with the line. It can never be a bad time for a good cry is not going to be recorded in my studio. Uh, so he kind of actually drove me to record it. Uh, cause he found, he heard the commercial sound in it before yeah. I could ever identify it. Talk uh, to me about the whistling. <laughs> that was my producer's idea for sure. Uh, cause, cause that was a guitar part. Um, 
in in the acoustic demo that was a guitar part and actually the the bass part and stuff uh or the rhythm of it was more rock and and not that it's not a rock song uh, already but but it's more it was more like a driving type of riff where it was just uh uh it was more like jimmy world kind of uh and he turned it into something more like black keys uh which i loved um but uh uh what was your original question i'm sorry tell me about the whistling the whistling thank you the yeah whistling. tell me so about that the was, whistling that was totally his idea and he was like we should just whistle that guitar part because that lead was already there that's mm -hmm. the thing when i work with my producer is like most of what i write stays intact we're just adding to it yeah. and um and we don't change anything really structurally like it's mm. the lyrics never really change the uh you know bpm stuff the stuff that's like in the composition never really changes we just add to it and he decides he's like my director if i were on a movie set he decides the direction of the song uh for me because i only bring in acoustic ideas um but uh yeah he was like okay we're gonna make this guitar part a whistling part and we were just sitting there for like 15 minutes trying to whistle <laughs> because <laughs> neither of us were good whistlers he was like i can't do it either i can't do it so it's me in the studio whistling and it was like i think that's like track five uh not track take five of me whistling and he just um he was like it's good enough for me to like you know add effects to it to bring it out more that's uh, awesome yeah <laughs> so it, has it wasn't a very like young a, folks um, vibe a what it has a very young folks vibe oh do you know yeah. that song uh no <laughs> i don't know if i literally understand <laughs> Like we don't have the rights to this. Song. I'll look it up. Don't worry. I'll shout look it out up. to Young Folks, which has oh, the whistling okay. line. That's like, yeah. Well, the whistling though that was uh, just a I don't know. It was like a playful idea. We had already kind of taken the direction of a song in a Black Keys direction, mm -hmm. and uh, he was like, "I hear whistling in this now," and I was like, "I do too." Uh, we tend to be on the same wave wavelength more often than not. That's um, awesome. This song. I remember bringing it in acoustic and kind of just going, I don't know what to do, man. I didn't really have any ideas for this. You pressured me into recording this. So I, I don't really know what to do with the song, but I had just seen the movie Elvis and I was in that mood of, of the, mm -hmm. the, the Motown type of vibe. So there's elements of that and like the beat and stuff like that. Um, I love that. Uh, so like, uh, so that drove it. And then it just suddenly became black keys by the time we hit the solo, um, which that solo was already written. That wasn't something I was just right, let me just make it up. I'm not that good. Uh, <laughs> I can't I can't do that. Um, but uh, when he added that like fuzz on it, that's very much the way that like, um, is it Dan Auerbach? That's like the Black Keys guy. Um, mm. It's very much like that type of tone. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, my producer just led just totally captain that ship of like, how is this going to sound? And like, how do we make it commercial? And then by the time we were done with it, he was like, you he was actually pressuring me to, you know, submit it to, uh, you know, Deep Ellen Radio and like KXT and stuff like that. So like, he was like, you got to put this out, like actually promote this one. He actually had so much confidence in this song. And he, he was rarely, manifesting, man, because no he was rarely, be on Deep Ellen Radio. Because he, he also knows I don't have the drive to do that. Like, I just mm -hmm. don't, I just don't. Like, I mean, yeah. that's whether it's because of uh, those negative voices in my head or what, I just don't have it in me to be like go check out my song i usually make one post about it and that's it but mm -hmm. uh he was like he had so much like confidence and like in this song and how it turned out um which normally we just we just professionally we just complete a song and we're like all right cool sounds cool and that's it but this one specifically he was like no you gotta submit this places 
<laughs> and I was like, all right, all Good. right. Geez. I'm glad. I'm glad. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners will agree. I am so glad that you put it out into the universe though, because I think this is a really beautiful message and I think it's an important message. Oh, and I think you. it's a beautiful song. I mean, I think I think the world would be a better place if we all focused a little bit more on being kinder to ourselves and to other people. And definitely. I think that's definitely the message in this is to just be kinder to yourself and more tolerant yeah. of yourself. Right. And, you know, to just let yourself exist rather than constantly pounding yourself for that existence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a really important message. And I'm glad that you put it into music. Thank you. Thank you so much. And I agree. It is, it is super important and I'll never stop writing songs like this. Uh, I just can't, I just can't now. I like now that I'm deep in it, mm -hmm. I just can't stop writing songs like this. <laughs> Excellent. I'm glad. I think that the world needs them. So if people are listening and they're thinking, God, Jeffrey Michael Woodmer sounds so cool. Where is the best place for them to find you? You've got the album coming out. So if they want yeah, to hear all next, of these other deep emotional Next songs, year or the year after, maybe we'll be when the album comes out. Um, Jeffrey Michael Woodman record is on its way. Who, yeah, who knows when it'll be done. I mean, that's the thing when you self-fund projects, you kind of have to, and you work full-time already, you kind of have to just make space when you can. Um, but yes, I don't, I'm not, like I mentioned, like I just alluded to, I'm not really good with being active about promoting my stuff. So I think the best place to find me is jmwsongs.com. And I have a ton of links. Like if you scroll to the bottom, there's a ton of the social media icons and stuff like that. But you won't really find me. Like I just left Twitter. It's a sinking ship anyway. Uh, so you won't really find me. You won't really find me being active. such great management though. <laughs> oh, I know, right? Yeah, there's nothing going wrong over there. Everything's great. <laughs> what a world, man. Um, so if people are excited about the Jeffrey Michael Whitman record. Mm -hmm. uh, they can find you at JMW songs. So one more time yeah. for the folks on the radio, that's just the letters JMW and songs, S-O-N-G-S. For everyone listening on a podcast, you can just scroll up and click. It will be linked below. And you can head to Spotify and check out our very special Journey of a Song playlist, which now has Good Cry on it. Yay. <laughs> Yeah, Jeffrey, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today, man. I really Oh, please. It. Thank you for having me. It has been an absolute pleasure. Right back at you. It's so good to have you and your music in the world. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm just grateful that you want to continue to share your emotional journey because I think that Definitely. the stories that you have to share are really important. And I'm thank glad you. that your vulnerability exists. Really appreciate the encouragement because obviously I have that self-doubt uh with am I making making the right choice and making an entire album about this type of stuff but yeah. uh appreciate that appreciate the encouragement where I can get it <laughs> well and again you're not alone I think we all struggle with that uh but uh for everyone who's listening who also struggles with that they're going to get to have some sweet moments of catharsis because we're about to play the fully produced version you're ready to whistle your hearts out everybody <laughs> <laughs> Here's here is Good Cry by Moi, Jeffrey Michael Whitman.
Thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of Journey of a Song, featuring the talented Jeffrey Michael Whitman. To learn more about Jeffrey or to follow his musical journey, visit his official website at jmwsongs.com. That's jmwsongs.com. For behind-the-scenes glimpses and more about Journey of a Song, follow me on Instagram at at Music. That's at E-M-M-E-L-I-N-E music. Don't forget to check out my other podcast, Journey of an Artist, wherever you listen to podcasts. Journey of a Song airs every Wednesday at noon central on Deep Ellum Radio and is available as a podcast the very next day. Discover new music and hear fascinating stories with me, Emmeline, on your favorite podcast app. If you're enjoying the show, please don't forget to like, follow, and subscribe. This is only the beginning, and I don't want you to miss a single minute of these inspiring conversations. If a picture is worth a thousand words, a song is worth a thousand stories.